Welcome back. Happy Monday to you. I know Mondays freaking suck, but hey, it's Monday. It's the last Monday in September, so you've got that going. This is the last time you're going to have to deal with a Monday in September until a whole bunch more Mondays go by, 52 of them. Well, not 52, probably 48 of them, maybe 47 of them. And then you'll have to deal with it again. Anyway, way too much information. Let's deal with 2023 when it uh, comes. Right now it's 2022, and it is the 26th of September. I appreciate you listening, downloading, sharing, telling a friend. Everybody who goes to uh, the uh, patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast, all one word, website, check out all the bonus material there and support the show, or derekhunter.locals.com. Derek spelled the way the good Lord intended, not like an oil drilling device or any other weird spelling. It's just D-E-R-E-K, the way the Canadians do it, damn it. Named after, uh, well, the name, I wasn't named after per se, but the name came from Derek Sanderson, who turned out to be a long-haired, violent uh, drunk. Not really violent in his personal life, as far as I know, but uh, a drug-using hockey player. Big dude, good hockey player. So, you know, I played hockey. I wasn't as good as Derek Sanderson. But then again, I did not have uh, the opportunity to avail myself of cocaine, in order to play. I don't know that that would have helped. Probably not. I probably would have gotten more penalties. But my slap shot was already pretty good. Maybe it would have brought it to the next level. Anyway, enough information, ladies and gentlemen. Let us get on with the program. There is a lot going on in the world. There's a bunch of stuff happening out there. And you sit there and you shake your head and you just think, how does this happen? What in the hell is wrong with society? Actually, it's like we live in two different worlds, on two different planets. I know there's a a push for it, and frankly, if we could find a way to do it, I'm not sure I'd be all that opposed to it, to a national divorce. I propose, you know, kind of right down the middle, right down the middle, and we give, probably got to carve out some of the Wisconsin-Minnesota area to get the Texas area. But uh, as long as everybody's got enough farmland and everything, and then it's all on them. And just move every... Look, the left wants the left coast. Let the left have the left coast. They ha- they're ingrained in there. They're, they're stuck in there. And we like the history of this country. If we had a national divorce where we separated the country down the middle, Independence Hall would get ripped down. Half of every statue, every historical landmark, they'd, they'd tear down Martha's Vineyard, or uh, not Martha's Vineyard, um, George Washington's home. They'd tear down Thomas Jefferson's home. They'd tear down the Statue of Liberty, or at least change it dramatically, make it gender nonconforming or something like that. So let them have the West Coast. They can have it. You had a five-year grace period where people can move from one side to the other. There'd be some sort of federal assistance. Look, there's going to be people from this side who've got to go to the other side, people from the other side who've got to go to this side. you got to facilitate the uh, purchase of homes and the moving and just uh, call it a day. We live in two separate worlds. Two separate. You can get completely different perceptions of the world depending on where you live and where you get your news. 
It really is bizarre. I'm looking at this this morning, and it, it just came to me. I don't know why. There's a story in the uh, Washington Examiner. The Latino vote in Nevada could lead to a Republican Senate majority. Ooh, Republican. Oh, that's great. Republicans making inroads with Hispanic votes. And then Morning Joe, a New York Times story. Majority of Latino voters out of GOP's reach, new poll shows. So which is it? Which is it? Latinos are going to make the difference or Latinos are running back home to the Democratic Party? Doesn't matter. <laughs> it's just, it depends on how you look at it. It depends on how you read it. It depends on who you count and how you count. It's two different worldviews. You look at the same thing and you just go, well, I'm going to glom onto this tiny little corner of this picture. And you're going to glom onto that tiny little corner of that picture. Both of you are going to ignore the big picture. And uh, there you go. You're just going to pretend that what you've got there is reality. Neither one of them is giving a full picture of reality. We'll have a full picture of reality come election day or the day after election day. But it is amazing to me how you just glom on to whatever it is that they want. These leftist media things and the conservative media is not a lot better where they just glom onto it and go, oh, hey. This is the part that matters. Forget the rest of it that says everything I'm about to tell you is is garbage or irrelevant. Look at this thing. Just a a quick quote from the piece. In the South, including Florida and Texas, 46% of Latino voters say they plan to vote for Democrats, while 45% say they plan to vote for Republicans. By contrast, Democrats lead 62 to 24 among Hispanic voters in other parts of the country. Now, there's massive Hispanic voters in Florida and Texas, and them splitting essentially down the middle is a huge victory for Republicans. The rest of the country, yeah, it's not good. Republicans, if this poll is true, need to make inroads in that area, in those areas. But If the Hispanic vote is 2% of the population, depending on how, like Vermont or New Hampshire, does it really matter all that much how that breaks compared to other voting blocks? If you want to play this voting block group, it doesn't. It doesn't. The vast majority, well, not the majority, but a, a huge percentage of Hispanics in this country are concentrated along the border states and in Florida. Florida isn't necessarily a border state, but in Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, California. California is a lost cause. It's overwhelmingly left-wing for the moment. It could swing back. It wasn't all that long ago that they actually elected Republicans. It wasn't all that long ago that Texas was electing Democrats. LBJ came from Texas. People forget that uh, 1988, I think it was, I can't, Ann something or other, Ann Richards, maybe. She was the governor of Texas, white-haired lady. She's the one who at the Democratic convention in either 88 or 92 said that George Bush was born with a silver foot in his mouth. She was a Democrat governor of Texas. Democrat governor, it wasn't that long ago that Texas flipped. It wasn't that long ago that the vast majority of the South flipped. In fact, the left will tell you, this is one of the biggest lies, talk about big lies. The left will tell you, oh, Nixon's Southern strategy was really when the GOP became super duper, uber racist. 
it's a lie. Democrats were racist then. They were the Jim Crow segregation party. They still are. They're just doing it under the guise of tolerance now. But they said Nixon's Southern strategy. They don't really go into it. What is Nixon's Southern strategy? Well, it was to appeal to white voters, okay, by racism. So everybody in the South, racism, racism got everybody in the South to vote for Republicans. Richard Nixon, Richard Nixon back in 1968 and again in 1972, Richard Nixon, by the way, won in the biggest landslide ever in 1972. wasn't even close. This is an embarrassment for the Democrats. But oh, he had to go out and be a total racist to win. I don't, I don't think so. But if you, if you believe that, the Southern strategy of Richard Nixon was to win the South, <laughs> and he won the South. He won 49 states in 1972. That was about the uh, the extent of the Southern strategy was, hey, we should stop writing off this region of the country. The left would have you believe that in 1972 there was a massive realignment. It was over. The uh, evil white racists down in the South, which means anybody who's white who has a Southern accent, according to Democrats, switched their party affiliations immediately because Tricky Dick was such a siren call that they could not uh, could not possibly turn it down. It's absurd. It's obscene. It's stupid. It's progressive. So uh, the problem is that the South didn't actually turn Republican until 1994. Now, it's 22 years later. If you're playing the home game, don't bust out the calculator function on your phone. It is true. Bill Clinton drove the South into the arms of Republicans. Look it up for yourself. I encourage you to find the governorships and Senate seats in the South up until that moment. Occasionally there were Republicans, but not the majority of the time, not very often. The Nixon Southern strategy is the longest delayed time bomb in history if 22 years later his racism caused the South, all the whites in the South to run. But people have been lied to about this. And it's, you know, believable. Look, you tell somebody something nasty about Richard Nixon, of course people are going to be inclined to believe it. But a little bit of research shows you that it is garbage, like most everything that Democrats talk about. So we've created this different world where you can look at things and say, well, oh, Nixon and the Southern strategy turned the South red. No, the South didn't go red. Didn't go red. Even the red Mississippi, Alabama, look it up. Until 1994 when the red wave came along and wiped out Democrat near monopolistic control for two generations. They hadn't, uh, the Democrats controlled the House of Representatives for 40 years up to that point. And uh, I believe 1980 to 1982 was the only time Republicans in that time period had had control of the United States Senate. That was only because of the coattails of Ronald Reagan's landslide over Jimmy Carter. But Bill Clinton was so wildly unpopular. And what he was pushing with his uh, Hillary care and everything else that he was doing was so wildly unpopular that entrenched democratic machinery down in the southern part of this country couldn't overcome it, and Republicans lost. There were people, I remember election night 1994. It's like Christmas in November, which is almost Christmas. They were very, it was a very exciting, weird thing. Members of the Senate soon after were switching parties. I can't remember the guy's name. He was a Native American United States senator. 
He switched parties. Is it Ben Nighthorse Campbell? Does that sound right? He switched parties. A bunch of members of the House switched parties. Republicans won a bunch of seats, and then a bunch of other Democrats switched parties. They had recognized at the time, weirdly, they don't recognize it now, that the party, in the words of Ronald Reagan, had left them. They didn't truly have the home in the Democratic Party that they once had. Some of it was opportunistic. They were uh, going to be in the minority, and if you switch to the majority and you do so in a way that uh, you uh, draw some attention to it, you can get plum committee assignments and things like that. I'm sure there were some backroom deals in it, but the argument that they made to justify their move was that the party had changed so dramatically. That was 1994. That party was way. That party would have opposed the idea of butchering the bodies of children to conform with the alphabet mafia's wishes. Actually, just a small slice of the alphabet mafia's wishes. They would have opposed that. The idea of grown men using little girls' bathrooms would have been appalling, even to Bill Clinton. But somehow it's the Republican Party that has changed. No. We have two different Americas, completely different Americas. And uh, I don't know, honestly, how, without something dramatic happening, some sort of thing to bring us together, and sadly, most of the time, that's something horrible, but hopefully it can, we can find something good, like maybe the 1980 Olympic hockey team beating the Soviets. We need something to bring us together again. Or maybe we do need a national divorce. In which I say, give them the West. They've already got it. We want the history. We won't destroy the history. And quite frankly, not only do I want to be able to visit my uh, family in Michigan without a passport, we want the water. We want the Great Lakes. Let them let them desalinate their seawater. They're afraid the seawater is going to be rising anyway. They can desalinate it and think of it as environmentalism. We want the water. Now, while we talk about we live in two different Americas, I want to I want to demonstrate just how different those Americas are, and how there is overlap, and how while it certainly seems a lot of the time, not all the time, but a lot of the time, that we conservatives are Sisyphus push. Is it Sisyphus? No, whoever pushed the. Uh, the rock up the hill countless times and get it up near the top and then it falls down. I think it was Sisyphus. Maybe not. But um, how it seems like we're beating our heads against a brick wall and we're not making any headway. We are making headway. And it's maybe in spite of ourselves, some of the political leadership is not particularly good at messaging. And maybe it's because... Well, the left has just gone so damned crazy. They say politics makes strange bedfellows, and it does. And there is a push now, and it's, it's a broad push. And what's amazing to me is the obstinance of the left in the face of this broad push against these sorts of things. We just had a governor in Virginia elected expressly because of the way that the left has been trying to indoctrinate school children. The pandemic exposed it, critical race theory, this weird gender obsession and gender ideology. And you sit there and you go, what the hell is going on? Where are these people coming? What planet are these people from? You want to sit there and talk to you know preteens about various types of sex and 
we got to get kindergartners involved with comic books that have graphic depictions of sex and what have you. And you're like, what the hell is wrong with these people? You think, am I crazy? And you turn on the nightly news and they say, well, the Biden administration has declared parents who uh, want to do this as uh, transphobes, homophobes. They are domestic terrorists. And you're sitting there and you can watch an entire report from Lester Holt and not really understand what these parents were upset about, just that they were upset about something. And then there's an expert or a leftist going, well, it's clear homophobia. And you go, wow, there's a lot of homophobes in this. I had no idea. Seems like there should be a lot more um, arrests if there were this many, you know, if there are a lot of homophobes running around and they would be beating holy hell out of the gay people. There's a lot of gay people. No, you never doesn't happen. It's a myth. It's a lie. Even the even the sainted Matthew Shepard lie. He was the guy who was he was beaten because he was gay, and he was left up against a fence in the middle of a field in Wyoming or whatever it was. It was horrible, and they give out the Matthew Shepard Award every year. And Matthew Shepard is a saint. And then somebody finally did some journalism a couple of years later, and it turns out that Matthew Shepard was killed over a drug deal gone bad. Is a drug dealer. And one of the guys who is in jail for killing Matthew Shepard, horrible crime, was a lover of Matthew Shepard's. Or at least they'd hooked up. So I don't think raging case of homophobia was part of the deal, especially when you've got a drug deal going sideways where somebody owes somebody else a bunch of money. The truth pays very little, plays very little role in what Democrats do. Honestly, that's just just the way the world works. And so you have these parents going out there going, I don't I don't want critical race theory taught to my kids. And they're not racist because of their skin color. They are not victims because of their skin color. Just teach them to read and write. And the, what's shocking to me is the left pushing back on this and the teachers union pushing back on this. And all the videos and libs of TikTok going, well, if you don't want me to ra- teach your kids about, so, then you need to parent better. Who the hell are you? You're a fat, purple-haired, face-pierced loser who's never going to have kids, because who would? And you're going to sit there and talk about, these are my kids. No, they're not. You want to pay some child support, we can maybe talk about a joint custody thing. But otherwise, you shut the hell up and you do your job. If you can't do your job, you won't do your job. Get out of your job. I don't give a damn. Well, like I say, politics makes strange bedfellows. There's a group, see, the the perverted transgender ideology. There's a lot of uh, discord in the left, in the gay rights movement, in the LGBTQRSTUVWXYZ world. There just is. Now, why? Because one of those letters is now sucking up all the attention and all the power and getting to dictate to every one of the other letters what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. It's the T. It's the transgender. That is the flavor of the moment. That is the the letter of the day. The letter of the day, if your kids ever watch Sesame Street. Well, a lot of other people are sitting there going, no, 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 this is, no, I don't want to do that. And by the way, there's so many people, uh, the explosion, not a majority, not anywhere near a majority, but so many people are now claiming, I'm trans or I'm pansexual or I'm bisexual, or, I'm this, that, and the other thing. Like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a woman trapped in a man's body, but I'm uh, a lesbian. 
So that's why I date women. And I'm like, okay, nothing changes. You just played musical chairs with words, and now you get uh, victim status or chief status on the left. There's a lot of resentment over that. Plus, there's a lot of weirdos that fall under this rubric of trans. Not the people who just live their lives that way, but the people who are like, today I feel like this, today I feel like that. And they're creepy and they uh, they get arrested a lot of times. The cross-dressers, things like And you sit there and you go, they're, they're, they're giving everybody in the whole alphabet mafia a bad name. And people in the alphabet mafia, gay people love kids too, love their kids too. And they sit there and they go, I don't want my kids to sit there and go, you can be anything you want. You can be anything you want. So there's a group now called uh, Gays Against Grooming. PayPal just said you can't use our service anymore. because, And Venmo did too. I think Venmo is owned by PayPal. It's the same company. It's the same PCBS, which means that PayPal and Venmo support pedophilia, right? I mean, that's what it has to be. This group is against pedophilia, and they say, no, you're you're transphobic. Somehow it's transphobic to be against pedophilia, which is a pretty sick, to, you know, to hear the trans people say, it's not about pedophilia, there's no pedophilia, then you should probably talk to PayPal and Venmo. You should also join, there should be a group trans against grooming. But uh, one member of Gays Against Grooving went grooming went to a school board meeting out in California, and he gave you get two minutes, you get two minutes to uh, to state your opinion. It's really amazing how these leftists who run these school boards put the clock on you, and they will cut you off no matter what you're saying, no matter what your personal experience, no matter what it is. Just shut up and sit down. Your time is up. Your time is up. Same with these. Jackass leftists in Congress, reclaiming my time, reclaiming my time. Every time a witness gives an answer they don't like or wants to say something that will go against the narrative, they go, reclaiming my time, reclaiming my time. Shut up. Take your time and shove it. How's that? Can you do that? Anyway, I want you to listen to this guy because he's a gay man. He's a member of Gays Against Grooming, and he's lecturing a left-wing school board out in California that is all in favor of all of these things, of teaching children you can be whatever gender you want to be and if you feel uncomfortable in your body it's not because you know you're just a human being trying to figure out what the hell's going on you're relatively new to this world it's because maybe god made a mistake and put you in the wrong body it's a brilliant speech and it gets long sustained applause from everybody except anybody up on the dais any member of the school board because progressives don't give a damn which is why you got to vote them out they must be not only defeated, they have to be destroyed. Good evening. My name is Mario Presents, and I'm here as a representative from Gays Against Groomers Coalition with over 250,000 followers across social media and as the uncle of two students in your district. It has come to our attention that the district intends to teach transgenderism to children under the age of 10 without parental consent. If I were to teach your child about my sexuality without your consent or involvement, I'd be arrested. But when the school district does it, it's education. Districts are teaching transgenderism when they should be teaching science, math, and language. Instead, teachers are hiding student pronouns from their parents under the guise of gender affirmation. Can you imagine the uproar if schools were evangelizing or baptizing children without parental consent? Isn't that sort of what you're doing? You don't tuck these children in at night. You don't teach them to stand up to bullies. You don't pay their medical bills. And you certainly don't hold their hands in the hospital. These parents do. 
Simple truths based in science need to be upheld for our society to flourish. The gross indoctrination we're seeing is creating a lifetime of medication and hormones because you can't simply pause puberty. Men cannot become women and sex chromosomes are encoded into the fabric of our DNA. Simply affirming a teenager's gender is akin to affirming anorexia. Both are body dysmorphic disorders, yet we don't teach the starving teenagers how to binge and purge or affirm that they are indeed overweight. However, school districts, including yours, seem to have no issue secretly teaching girls that they can be boys because they feel uncomfortable in their bodies. A grown adult woman can't get a hysterectomy without extensive medical forms and doctor's visits. But Dr. Safir over the hill in Sherman Oaks is willing to do top and bottom surgery, sterilizing children for life. Parents must be a part of the education process when teaching sexuality to students, and it definitely doesn't need to happen under the age of 10 years old. Stop the applause. There then comes the school board, unmoved, uninterested. I love it how they said, we'll have public comment and then we'll vote. You want to maybe have a public debate? No, we'll just have public comment and then we'll vote. We have to sit here as long as it takes for you great, unwashed, fat, ugly people, these peons who dare not be progressive enough. Uh, I got to wait for you to come up and give your little speeches and then we can get on to the foregone conclusion. Get on to what we're going to do. This is why it matters. This is why these people have to be run out of office. This is why you have to pay attention. Thank God, in one respect, for COVID and uh, the lockdowns, they exposed this. This would be going on. This was going on in our public school systems for years. Now we know about it. Parents know about it. They're horrified. They're recoiling in horror. And the left, rather than going, oh, man, this, this is the ultimate arrogance of cockroaches. Imagine if you flipped on the, the lights in your kitchen and there's cockroaches everywhere. No, they, they scramble. They scramble. And now you, you flip on the lights and the cockroach is sitting there having a cigarette with a, with a mouse and a rat. And they're going, what do you want? What are you doing in here? Get the hell out of here. Who do you think you are? Yeah, it's your kitchen. Shut up. Get out of it. Go to bed. Go to bed, you idiot. We're down here. We're having fun. That's what happened. The world saw what was going on in the public school system, and the cockroaches didn't scramble. They said, so what? Get away. Shut up. Homophobe, transphobe. Now, let me get back to butchering the body of this seven-year-old permanently with hormones so we can uh, set up a GoFundMe page that PayPal will shower with money so that we can remove their sexual organs once they reach the ripe old age of 10. Yeah, you want to talk about some sick people. Doesn't get any sicker than that. Okay, since we're talking about the, uh, the trans issue and everything that encompasses that... There are people now, and thank God they're doing this, and this is what's, uh, they always, you can tell how desperate the left is and how pathetic the left is and how corrupt the left is by their reaction to having light shine on them. The cockroaches in the kitchen smoking the cigarettes telling you to get bent is one example. You've got uh, 
people in this country now, with the help of groups like Gays Against Groomers or Gays Against Grooming, that are looking into various children's hospitals across the country that publicly advertise that they do transition surgery on children as little as, you know, 14, 13, 10 years old. It's disgusting. But it was a point of pride. It was, it was a source of revenue. It costs a ton of money to do these surgeries, which means the people who do these surgeries make a ton of money. And as uh, one person at uh, some trans activist, that's amazing to me, trans activist out there was saying a doctor was advising other doctors to get into this business because not only does it cost a ton of money that you make a lot of money when you're out there doing the surgeries, but you get lifetime clients. Why? Because you have to, the person who has the surgery has to for the rest of their lives go back to the doctor. They have to have constant checkups. They need to make sure that everything is still working, that certain things, you know, the body tends to want to heal. You take, I never had a pierced earring, but if you you pierce your ears and you got to wear the earring, and then if uh, a couple years later, it's my understanding that if you take the earrings out and you forget to put it back in, it'll close up. Eventually it won't, but it'll close up. So you've got to make sure that your body parts and, new uh, holes, for lack of a better word, don't close up. But things don't close up. And then you got to make sure that the hormones are still in line. you got to take hormones. You are constantly going to the doctor for more prescriptions, just as nature intended. I think that, you know, <laughs> it's just so obvious. But, like... Um, It'd be much easier and better that you just get to come to terms with what's going on, what your body is, what your body is, because that's what your body is. You're never going to fool nature. If you don't believe in God, you're never going to fool nature. You're never going to fool God if you believe in God. But if you just believe in nature, you're never going to fool nature. But these people, some of them, many of them still think that they can. And so one such hospital is Vanderbilt Hospital in uh, Tennessee, in, uh, I believe, the Nashville area. And it's been exposed as having this stuff on their web. Now, they've taken the stuff down from their website, going, oh, we're getting mean emails and death threats and everything. Like, you're, you're butchering children. Rude voicemails is the least of uh, your concerns. Maybe, maybe, maybe you shouldn't be doing that because... The, uh, you know, because you can make money at it. There should be some things where you're just like, you know what? I don't want to make money. It's not worth it. But that's not the way the world works anymore. The uh, Tennessee Lookout website. Fueled by a Twitter report, Republican lawmakers are planning to pass legislation in 2023 to stop Vanderbilt University Medical Center from performing pediatric transgender surgeries. Why anybody would do this in the first place, I don't know. You imagine, I wish we could get our hands on it. Maybe someday we will. But before you go into any surgery, especially an elective surgery like this, there are all sorts of uh, waivers and releases you have to sign. You get a nose job, they got to sign. I, uh, I'd i like to see how they indemnify themselves against a 14-year-old coming back in five years going why did I was 14? Why did you do this? 
So I want to see the lawyer and the horrible hospital that waves that piece of paper and says, well, you signed this or your parents signed this. The lawsuits are going to go absolutely crazy over this, as they should, because there is a, uh, there's always been a percentage of detransitioners long before there was, it was fashionable to be trans. There was always a, a percentage of people who did it and admitted that they uh, made a mistake. Now that it's trendy and the number of these procedures and everything has gone up exponentially and the age has dropped precipitously, you'd have to sit there and think, well, the number of people who are going to detransition has to go up because it's trendy right now. It's trendy. And you got parents sitting there going, well, we should pressure little, little Jimmy. Jimmy played with a Barbie. Maybe we should consider him transgender or something like because you can convince a kid of anything. For a doctor to sit there and go, yeah, this kid who can't really ride a bike all that well or figure out, um, I don't know, figure out uh, the birds and the bees. We're going to totally put them on hormone blockers forever. What could possibly go wrong? Well, everything. Hormone blockers are irreversible in, in most cases. You have to stay on them long. They're chemically altering the body. Sue the hell out of every single one of them. Meanwhile, the story continues, Governor Bill Lee requested an investigation and Attorney General Jonathan Skirmetti's office said he will use the full scope of his authority to make sure state law is being followed. House Speaker Cameron Sexton said in the statement he is looking into conflicting reports on the matter, but notes it is, quote, inappropriate for any minor to have gender reassignment surgery or puberty blockers given to them. Your biological sex at birth is your identity. There will be legislation filed this session by many members to protect Tennesseans from this barbaric practice. Sadly, this barbaric practice, when it comes to that, the Tennesseans need the protection from their parents. From their parents. That is the way the world works. All that happened was people pointed out that, hey, on your website, just like at Boston Children's Hospital, you have a whole bunch of stuff that Boston Children's Hospital quickly scrambled to scrub about how you proudly do this, and this is why you do it, and this is how you do it, and this is how much it costs to do it, and oh boy, and it's really easy, and it's fun, and it makes it all seem like wine and roses, when in reality, there are a lot of horror stories out there. The failure rate, or the... uh, Difficulty after surgery rate. I've looked at some of these stories. I've read them. There are videos of people talking about their horror stories of their inability to urinate properly, how it takes 20 minutes to urinate after the surgery because it's there's a lot going on down there. There's a lot going on down there. It's it's if if you get it right being a relative term, but if you get it right, that's the miracle. My God, you didn't screw that up. There's everything going on in there. All right. It's like, imagine you had a house and then you go into that, you buy that house and you say, I'm going to hire a plumber to come in and redo all the plumbing and an electrician to come in and do all the rewiring. But I don't want you to put any holes in the wall or put minimal holes in the walls. Like, well, that's going to be nearly impossible. You'd find a couple people willing to give it a shot give it a go. We'll replace as many of the pipes as we can. We'll do the wiring as best we can. But it will never be as good as it was. It'll never be, I want to move the bathrooms from uh, the front to the back. 
All right, but I don't want you to pull up any flooring. What? Or if you pull up flooring, I want it, it has to be exactly like it was. Well, that's impossible. Well, figure it out. Things are going to go wrong. Those people don't get that attention. That's what makes me think that the uh, those people don't seem to get the lawsuits either. If those lawsuits were out there and succeeding or at least going forward, I'd imagine that somebody would have pointed them out by now and uh, we would have followed them. I know there are a lot of people with a lot of regrets. because, Like I said, you can read their stories. I suggest you find them. But the power of the alphabet mafia, and it's really just the power of the T in there, is so great that they can stop the dissemination of information, accurate information. It's not just opinion. They can stop the dissemination of people's lived experiences. Now, that's what we're supposed to value above all, according to the left. It's the lived ex- my truth. It's my truth. There was a documentary that aired. I wrote about this in my book a few years ago. There was a documentary that aired in the UK about people who detransitioned. And that's an, an interesting, no matter what you think of the, uh, the issue, if you're absolutely convinced that it's genuine and everybody's trans and they just don't know it or whatever your, your beliefs are, the percentage of people, a minority of people, but still a percentage of the people, nobody actually knows the percentage, but a percentage of the people who back away, who go back, who try and have surgery to correct what surgery had gotten wrong, um, they exist. And it's a cautionary tale. If you actually care about people, if you care about trans people, as they always say, then you would want trans people to have as much information as humanly possible. And that would also mean access to people who said, I did this and it was the biggest mistake of my life. Now I can never have sex. I can never have children. I can't use the bathroom properly. That's a real risk. But the documentary that aired in the UK one time was so uh, radically and wildly protested that it has never aired again. Moreover, when the CBC up in Canada was going to air it, because they're, you know, governments or sister governments, they're loose affiliation, part of the Commonwealth, the, uh, the protesters got it pulled. They would not allow Canadians to see it. They did not want Canadians to see it. Now, why? If you are so confident that what you did and what you're doing is right and righteous, then what does it matter what anybody else thinks of it? And if people who go through this are absolutely 100% right and righteous and uh, trans is totally real and trans is this and trans is that, then the exposure of people to contrary opinions shouldn't matter. How many times a day are you exposed to contrary opinions, opinions that wildly differ from yours? I would, I would suspect lots of times. Upon hearing something that differs from your own opinion, does it immediately change your mind and upset your entire worldview to the point that you can barely function as a human being? No, it doesn't. You probably just sit there and and you know enough about the issues that you can say, well, that's ridiculous, but whatever. 
So then why should these trans activists be concerned that, my God, somebody might be exposed to a detransitioner who says this was a huge mistake and if you're going to do it, you better be damn sure because they're terrified. Now, they don't go out and say that's why. That's why, we don't, because there will be fewer people transitioning. That's not at all the case. What they go out there and say is that that sort of information will cause hate crimes. They'll be, people will use that to say, see, the whole thing is a scam. The whole thing is a scam. They have such little faith, they have no faith in your ability to not be a monster in any way, shape, or form. They always say that it will be you, normal people, who will then watch this documentary and say, all right, let's get the pickup truck, let's get a couple boys rounded up and go around and beat up some trans folks. It never happens. It never comes close to happening. But that's what they argue will happen. When in reality, they're just terrified that somebody might not make the decision they could well be pressured into. I have no doubt there'll still be people who go, you know what, I watched it, I heard it. It's a horrible story what happened to that person. But uh, I'm convinced, I'm sure, I know how I feel. And then they go forward. As long as they're an adult, God bless them. I wish them the best. Fingers crossed. I hope it works out for you. And also, I don't care. You're an adult. You can make your life, you can ruin your life any way you want. And I'm very libertarian when it comes to that. If you want to butcher your body and you're an adult, go ahead. There are people, few, but people who get parts of their bodies amputated because they like the attention it gets them and gets the, they want a limb amputated because of the attention it gets them. And it's it's a sickness. It's clearly a mental disorder, but there are people out there in the psychological left, in the psychological profession who go, you know what? This is perfectly normal. You're uncomfortable in your own body, what with those two arms out there. And so you should be able to. It is your right. It is a necessity. It is a wonderful blah, blah, blah. And you sit there and you go, these people are insane. These people need to be institutionalized to protect themselves from themselves until they can be shown that cutting off your arm because you you feel weird about having two is a bridge too far but instead they don't they're championed look that one up you talk about some weird people there's very little difference between them and the the trans craze of the moment except for one is getting all the media attention and the entire establishment of the Democratic Party is pressuring people to accept and celebrate it. By the way, since we're talking about the uh, the trans issue and everything and just how nuts these people are, there's a group out there. I don't know anything about them, but I like them so far. It is, they call themselves Citizens for Sanity. I don't know who's funding them. Let me see their website. I, they just seem to come out of nowhere. They seem relatively new. I never noticed them before, but now they're all over social media. And thank God for it, because it is something that is absolutely necessary. It's comedy from the right, and it's in your face from the right to the left. And in a funny way, in a mocking way, and in a public way, not just in, you know, you run into liberal circles it's f- and, and drop a bomb, drop a stink bomb in there and run away giggling. There's something to be said for that, but they're taking it to the streets, which is where the difference can be made. They just joined social media in August of 2022. So I imagine 
they they are relatively new. There doesn't seem to be an about us. There doesn't seem to be any. I don't know who's funding this. It doesn't really matter. But I like them. They're placing ads on billboards and in newspapers across the country. And in mocking tones, right across the bottom, it says, paid for by Citizens for Sanity Incorporated. And it's forsanity.org, I think it is. At the website, I want to make sure that I give you the right. Citizensforsanity.org. One ad up in Massachusetts in the Boston Globe. Thank you, Liz Warren, for bringing the illegal aliens to only poor and working class communities. Rich Democrats have enough problems. That's a, uh, it looks like a half page ad in the Boston Globe. That ain't cheap. That ain't cheap. But that's the entirety of the ad. I love the sort of in your face about it. Another one. Uh, this one is, uh, where is it? It's up on Martha's Vineyard in their newspaper. It says paid advertisement right across the bottom. It says paid for by Citizens for Sanity, forsanity.org. It says, we strongly support and encourage all forms of migration, especially legal migration. Indeed, we donate to Joe Biden and his party for this exact reason. However, our beautiful island home of Martha's Vineyard is very small, and the mansions have very expensive artwork, Persian rugs, and unchlorinated saltwater swimming pools that are very difficult to clean. For these reasons, we cannot accept any undocumented Americans at this time and respectfully ask they be sent to a working class community where they can enrich with a a working class community. They can enrich with their global diversity and romantic poverty. Thank you for understanding. (laughs) I just love it. It's sort of, yes, screw you. Screw you. And then they're also doing outside billboards. They're doing outside billboards. Senator from Nevada is up there, Catherine Cortez Masto. She's running for re-election, a tight re-election race. They've got a billboard out there in in her state in uh, in Las Vegas, I believe. It says, thank you, Catherine Cortez Masto, for voting to keep our borders open. Drug cartels need all the help they can get. Up in New Hampshire, where there's another tight Senate race, they ran a half-page ad in the newspaper up there. Thank you, Senator Hassan, for blocking a measure to hire more border agents. Drug cartels need all the help they can get. It's brilliant. It is in your face. It is needed. Far too many People on the right are uptight and are used to doing the things that worked before. They're also the things that worked before, the things that didn't work before. You've got to be able and willing to adapt. And uh, it doesn't happen very often. As somebody who's worked in the think tank world and in the political world before, when you come up with new ideas, I, I come up with pretty good ideas and pretty new ideas. A lot of You just tell me whatever it is and I'll tell you. And we come up with something. The powers that be would sit there and go, yeah, no, that's good, but uh, nobody's ever done that before, and I don't really know that we want to take that kind of... What do you mean nobody... Yeah, nobody's ever done that before. That Why not take a risk? Well, I don't know. Risk is... Look, the think tank world, most of the think tank world, not all of the think tank world that I've worked in, but some of the think tank world that I've worked in, 
they don't like to admit it, but they're very much about money. They're very much about raising money. It wasn't always that way. The Heritage Foundation proudly talked about how they turned down donations to change their political positions on things or their their policy positions on things. And they did. They used to do that. I don't know if they do that now. I don't work there anymore. I'd like to think that they do. But many of them are just for hire, the smaller ones. They're just for hire. And it's sad because they could do something good. When Every once in a while you got to eat a big bag of excrement because a donor, a big donor says, you know what, though, you're going to have to find a way to either justify not weighing in on something or to go in the other direction. I'll never forget. I'm not going to name names, but uh, when I was at Heritage, we were working to try to stop the uh, the Medicare Modernization Act, as it was formulated. There was discount. There were all sorts of things you could do that were free market that wouldn't have cost anything or cost next to nothing to create uh, affordable to bring affordable prescription drugs to senior citizens. The government doing it was never one of them. And the right was united on this concept. Another government program inside a failing government program, one that is going to overwhelm the federal budget. It's just not not smart. Forget smart politics. It's probably the other way was probably smart politics, but it's not smart to do. Something being smart doesn't or something being smart politics doesn't mean it's smart. And we were all united. And there was one very small think tank, but influential. The person was well-respected at the time. Still well-respected, just not nearly as well-respected. And I don't think that anybody's going to... I don't think that anybody could ever trust this person again. Near the end of the debate, we're all out there. We're publishing our op-eds. This is a bad idea. Publishing our policy papers, demonstrating why it's a bad idea. And then suddenly this person disappeared from the meetings. They'd have meetings. And next thing you know, this person put out an op-ed in a big newspaper, I think it was, saying here's why the Medicare Modernization Act is the good thing to do and why it's conservative. Just kneecapping the movement to try and stop this massive expansion of government power and kneecapping that person's credibility forever because one of their big funders was one of the industries directly involved that you might imagine would be directly involved in a prescription drug bill and the choice was you know it's kind of like a a godfather type choice of you can either sign this you can either to one thing's going to something's going to be on this contract your signature or your brains which do you want it to be? Except something's going to be, you're going to write, you're going to, something's going to support this. Your organization or the organization we take your massive funding to next. And I can't blame this person per se. There is ultimately the need for uh, survival in people. But it was, um, I never looked at this person the same way again. I still don't look at that person the same way uh, ever again because they sold out. Ideally, I get it. I was young, fresh out of college. Throw yourself on your sword. Throw yourself on the grenade. Take one for the team. 
ideological person who's like principles over everything else. I'd taken a, taken a, a lower paying job because the other one was a lobbying firm that was for hire and that sort of thing. In many ways, I'm still that same person, but I haven't been really presented with a, you know, it's your signature or your brains on the paper sort of moment again. But it's a problem. It's a problem going forward when you're uh, sitting there dealing with these people. So to have somebody out there who's doing things like these public service announcements, mocking them. Here's one for Arizona. Don't be a racist, cisgender colonizer. Support Mark Kelly and keep our borders open. Another newspaper ad. Those sorts of things. Support omnisexual education for non-binary children. Vote for progressives. This advertisement is paid for by Citizens for Sanity, a nonprofit social welfare organization that has not been authorized by any candidate. <laughs> That's another New Hampshire ad. I absolutely love this kind of stuff because the serious people will do the serious things. These people can make serious points, but they can do so in an unserious way. The people who would tune out at the uh, pinky out as they sip their tea discussion of policy issues will read one of these advertisements and go, <laughs> good God, that's right. I like that. Finally, somebody's telling these people to go to hell. All right, that is enough for today. Let's start the week off right by giving away an autographed book, shall we? Congratulations to uh, Jim Farley. Jim Farley, you've won. You wanted the Brad Thor full black autographed book, and you get it. Answer your messages on patreon.com slash Podcast, and uh, send me your address, and I'll send you the book. You throw me the idol, I throw you the whip. I know I say that all the time, but it works. This week's, first of all, Bailey is here. She's the one who picked the winner. She's stuffed up, and uh, I don't know. Are you feeling bad other than being stuffed up? A little bit. Are you feeling bad, or are you feeling okay? I feel a little okay. You feel a little okay? All right, well, you got some kind of a cold or something, because you got boogers, don't you? Yeah. Right, but otherwise, you feel okay? Sometimes. Sometimes, all right, well, we're going to make sure that you get a lot of rest. You want to say anything to everybody? Um, yeah. Your birthday's coming up in two weeks. Yes, yeah. so they're going to be four. Going to be the big four. What are yeah. you going to do? Are you going to have an exciting party? Yeah, I'm not going to have a rainbow dress. going to be by actually going to be actually this um, delivery. All for right. Birthday. What do you want? What toys do you want for your birthday? Um, princesses. Princesses. All right. Well, we can probably, uh, birthday clause can probably make that happen. So, congratulations, Jim. And this week's contest, that means that Billy Idol returns, dancing with myself. This time it's worth somebody, uh, versus somebody against somebody who's kicking some butt out there in the podcasting world. She was great. Everybody loved her when she was on TV, and then, then, then they didn't love her. And now that she's doing podcasting after an ill-fated time at NBC, um, she's really letting her flag fly, and she's kicking some butt, some great clips out there. Good show. It's Megan Kelly, her first book, Settle for More, autographed by her. So it's Megan Kelly for all the ladies out there. Versus Billy Idol. Go to patreon.com slash Podcast. 
Sign up if you haven't already and uh, comment on the post featuring those books about which one you want. And then next weekend we will draw a winner, and it could be you. Thank you so much for listening. Everybody wish Bailey to get better. Say goodbye, Bailey. Bye, Bailey. All right. Didn't set that up. I couldn't. She would have never done it if we'd have planned it. Appreciate you listening. Have a great one. I'll see you tomorrow.